This morning we're going to talk about worship, and I actually I have a, a video that's um, pulled up that we're we're going to do first. We don't normally do uh, something like this. It's it's an eight or nine minute video that we're going to watch because it's it's all about worship, and so we're going to turn the lights down low, turn the the volume up loud, and we're going to enjoy the presence of the Lord. You can worship. To the place he was dining To pour my life on my love I wrapped my hair around him And the fragrance drifted up Turn it up, brother I didn't even notice When the beast began to judge His love is out of this world And I'm told He's alive, he's alive, and I've only just begun to worship him. He's alive, and I've only just begun to worship him. He's alive, and I've only just begun to worship him. He's alive.
after that video. Uh, how do we keep on getting convinced that life is supposed to be more complicated than a friendship with him? Yeah. Oh, man. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, sweep through here. Oh. We don't care if it's a mess. We don't care if there's a crying preacher in the pulpit. We don't care, Lord. We just want you. We don't care if you ruin our services, Holy Ghost. We want you so bad. We don't care if our churches are filled with people that are broken and a mess. Jesus, we just want the power of your gospel again. Would you bring us back to a friendship with you, Jesus? If I commanded you to worship me and tell me of my greatness and tell others about how great I am all the time, what would that indicate about my mental state? Yeah. 
yeah, I'd be an insecure, maniacal, attention-loving guy. <laughs> I mean, we've we've seen that happen with dictators throughout history, and it and it goes real bad, right? It always ends up really bad. But we have a Father in heaven who has commanded us to worship him. To tell him of his greatness, to tell others of his greatness, and to extol and praise and magnify him. Is he insecure? Is he a a maniacal dictator of a leader? No. So what does that mean? If he is completely secure and satisfied in his own identity, but he commands us to worship him, why? It's for us. The worship isn't, I mean, for us. But when we worship him, we experience the greatest amounts of pleasure and joy and fulfillment. Our identity is unlocked. Those things that have been kept hidden secret For ages and generations, Christ in us begins to come out. He knows knows how good it is to enter into worship for us. He designed us so, so perfectly to to be the recipients of his love, to be able to stand up underneath the weight of his glory, to to hear his voice but not be broken apart like the cedars of Lebanon. He designed our, our frame so perfectly to be the place of encounter where heaven touches earth inside of us. Worship. When we worship him, it is he's reciprocating his love on us and we're finally realizing what this life is all about. He commands us to worship him because he loves us. In Psalm 34, it says, magnify the Lord. Um, Can God get any bigger? It says, magnify the Lord together. It says, let us exalt his name together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. and Let us exalt his name together. Um, I heard a cool preacher one time talk about this, how uh, when he was growing up, he would use a magnifying glass when the sun was out, and he would go around frying stuff, right, with a magnifying glass. See, God already exists. He can't get any bigger, just like the sun in the sky, but when we magnify the Lord together, we give him a focal point for his power to hit. All of his power can be focused in on one of our meetings when we come together and magnify his name. <clears throat> See, we, we all long for greater degrees and greater measures of his presence. Obviously, he never leaves us or forsakes us, but our own awareness of his presence increases in that place of worship. Our own, our, that Paul talks about this in He prays it in Ephesians 1, open the eyes of their hearts. 
Give them wisdom and revelation. Enlighten their eyes that they may see. They can see you. In other words, the the difference between a, a mediocre or a boring worship service and a really awesome one is we open our eyes and realize he's already here. You can't escape his glory. I don't know how to not spend time with him anymore. I don't. Like, I, I love that, you know, we have our quiet times and our prayer closets and that discipline of solitude, but I don't know how to escape him. It's not like I can not spend time with him. He's, he's riding shotgun in my car. <laughs> he's, he's walking close with me, talking to me about stuff. I don't, I don't know how to not spend time with him anymore. I don't know where we came up with this idea that there's a specific location or place where we can encounter God when he never leaves us. <clears throat> but something amazing does happen when we come together. It says in Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three come together in my name, there I am. In other words, there is a new or a greater degree of his presence, or a greater understanding or realization of his presence when we come together. James 4.8 tells us that we can draw near to God and he'll draw near to us. But he's, he's here, like he lives here. The Holy Spirit took up residence in me the moment I believe that Jesus is the Son of God that died for my sins, rose from the grave, and gave me a new life. The moment I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the Holy Spirit lives in me, never to leave me or forsake me. It's a, it's a seal guaranteeing my deposit, my inheritance. But it says that I can draw near to God and he'll draw near to me, which means that there are things that we can do to unlock our, our, our spirits to experience even more of the Lord. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we can get drunk on his presence when we sing songs together to him. That's what Ephesians says. You can experience such a degree of his pleasure and joy and presence that it starts to get real fun in here when we come together and sing psalms to one another, hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. There's just something eternally amazing about music. The throne's surrounded by songs. Uh, There's... No scientist can explain why music does what it does to a person's heart. No scientist can put words to that. It is completely unexplainable, which means it's from heaven. Colossians 3.16 says, let, it, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Holy Spirit. So we worship to manifest more of His presence, more of His glory, to experience even more of Him. We worship um, not only because of that, but worship changes our circumstances. 
There's a story where King David is uh, dancing before the Ark of the Covenant while it's coming back into Jerusalem. And he's down to his linen ephod, which is like a little linen tunic, and he's dancing. And it's miles that they're marching this, uh, the, the Ark of the Glory, the tabernacle, whatever, what is it called? The Ark of the Covenant. They're marching it back in Jerusalem, and he's dancing the whole way. And his, and his wife, uh, Michal or Michael, sees this, or Michelle, whatever you want to call her, um, <clears throat> sees this and is embarrassed and thinks that he shouldn't be conducting himself like this, and she despised David's worship. And what happened uh, from that day forward is she was barren. But in Isaiah 54, 1, it says, Shout for joy, O barren one. You who have borne no child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud. You who have not travailed in birth... For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the woman that's already married or the married woman, says the Lord. In other words, shouting to the Lord, worshiping him can change your circumstances and produce fruit in your life. And this, is, this can be taken uh, figuratively and, and fruit in any area of your life or quite literally. If there are any women or couples in here that are struggling to not have children, praise Jesus big time. Shout for joy. Shout it out because Isaiah 54 once, you can bank on scripture Wombs open up when you start shouting for joy to the Lord. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are going around and they're, and they're preaching uh, the good news of the kingdom and healing the sick and doing all these awesome things. And then it says that this uh, slave girl is following them around and it says that she's made her masters a great fortune by her ability to tell the future. And this slave girl is following around Paul and Silas and, and saying, these are uh, servants of the Most High and they're proclaiming the truth to you. Everywhere they go. It, this, it, was, it went on for days. These are servants. She's actually telling the truth from a demon. This, this like psychic fortune-telling, future-telling demon that she has is actually saying something true, but it's coming from the wrong spirit. And Paul gets annoyed. I love scripture. It actually says Paul gets annoyed. And cast the uh, demon out of her, and she's delivered. And then, but the masters realize they can't make money with this girl anymore. They they just lost their paycheck. That you know, their their golden goose. And so they they seize Paul and Silas, and they they bring them like before the magistrates. They bring them out into public, and they strip them naked and flog them severely, and then put them in the in prison, in the innermost chamber, and fasten them into stocks. It's like, who are these guys? And so now they're, they're in the, the, the lowest, the deepest, the most secure part of prison. And it says, at midnight, they began singing hymns, singing praises to God at midnight. What happened? An earthquake happened. The earth shook. The prison doors flew open. The jailer is about to kill himself because he thinks all the prisoners are gone. And he comes, and Paul tells him, don't kill yourself. And he kneels. He kneels before Paul. 
Where did Paul and Silas get that idea from? Well, didn't Jesus come setting people free of demons, delivering people? Wasn't he stripped naked, beaten severely, and then descended into the lower regions? When in their praising his father in heaven and Satan comes before him, bows down, and hands him the keys to the prison. Guys, any prison that you're in right now, it's because God wanted to get an earthquake in there. You are the source of deliverance. If you, you better make Satan regret the day he ever tried to put you in a cell. And you start praising right now because God's going to unleash an earthquake that makes the prison doors fly open and you're going to walk out with the keys. And anyone else who is in that prison, you can just unlock the doors from, for them from now on. Praise changes our circumstances. Isaiah 61.3 says that a garment of praise will replace a spirit of heaviness. How many of you guys have ever been just set free from depression just by praising the Lord? Every other week, right here, like something's going on, or my, my mind's going crazy. I just turn my attention on the Lord, and I start worshiping Him, and suddenly my problems look really small. Every, every problem in my life suddenly gets in line, in priority, before the priority that He is above everything. And that he's got a good plan for me, a future hope that he plans to prosper me. And I start declaring these things over my life and his worship to him. And suddenly, I've got a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. So how do we praise the Lord? Well, in the Bible, it talks about these, these songs of praise and thanksgiving we enter his courts, joyful songs. We sing spiritual songs, dancing. We praise the Lord. This is in the Bible. Biblical praise includes dancing and shouting, lifting up your hands, bowing, even getting on your knees or laying completely flat with your face to the ground or standing in awe or trembling. We were made to tremble. But when he's saying, shout to the Lord, all you saints, he's not, the Bible actually doesn't say, okay, everybody that's outgoing in type A, shout out right now, because we know that if you're insecure or don't like to be loud, then you can sit down. <laughs> but it's not my personality to like shout out loud, you know, I'm not, I'm not a loud person. It doesn't matter. We're not worshiping the way you worship, we're worshiping God. <clears throat> He didn't say when, when the worship band is really getting in the groove, that's when you start dancing and praising God. No, he didn't say that. He says, dance with all your might. Sing to him a new song. Even if the worship team is, is a mess and completely off key, you can sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord right where you're standing. Jared was saying this when he was up there. It's not a, uh, a, a spectator sport. We all participate. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.26 says that when you come together, you, everybody brings something, a, a, a psalm or a tongue or an interpretation of a tongue or a teaching. You bring a song. Everyone comes because when we're the body, we come together with something. It's not just the guy who has the mic up here that's leading a service. James 4.6 says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
So humble yourselves in the sight of God and he will lift you up. In other words, sometimes it takes a lot of humility to step out of your comfort zone and, and start shaking your groove thing to the Lord. You know, and it's, wait a minute, that feels kind of good. I'm going to jump a little bit. Maybe I'm going to shout. I'm going to do, I'm going to do the white man box step. Like, it takes humility to actually submit to what the Bible says to do when you don't feel like it. And suddenly God is pouring out grace. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. We do not want to have worship services where God is resisting us. It's counterproductive. Counterproductive. And so whether you're, let me, let me tell you this. Most of the time, our emotions when it comes to praise are liars. We don't feel like it. There's, there's something going on in our lives. We're down, we're tired, we're sad, whatever. And so we're thinking, I'm just going to sit this one out. It's going to be a contemplative prayer time. No, it's not time to meditate. You're in the gathering of saints. Like we've all come together to praise his name and magnify him together to create a focal point where this power can be released. Because if we lift him up, he will then lift us up. He reciprocates. He's not that selfish guy that just wants our praise so that he can feel better about himself. He wants us to praise him so that he can then actually sing songs of praise over us and tell us of our beauty and our identity and lift us up. And finally, we worship him because he's worthy. He is absolutely worthy of every breath that could ever be created by your lungs. He's absolutely worthy of every thought of adoration. He's worthy of every second of our attention. He's worthy. He's worthy. Psalm 95 one says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. To, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all kings. Why? For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Why? Because the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his. The sea is his, for he made it. And in his hands, he formed the dry land. Psalm 29, 2 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. It's due to him. It's owed to him. All the glory is owed to him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Revelation 4, which Teresa was singing about today, her new song. says, Behold, the door is standing open in heaven. The voice I heard like Trump speaking to me, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. Like all, all of Revelation 4 is this beauty, like this throne room scene where suddenly uh, John the Beloved is seeing 
a throne in heaven and surrounding the throne is a a rainbow like emerald and from the throne is proceeding thunder and lightning and voices and before the throne are seven blazing lamps of glory. There, There are all these elders that are continually bowing down and throwing their crowns on the ground and singing praises to him who's worthy because he's worthy. And there, there comes this point in chapter 5 where um, the, so, there's like the, the scroll that's presented and everyone's asking who's worthy to open this scroll. And John starts weeping because no one's found worthy. He weeps and weeps and then an angel says to him, stop weeping. There's one found worthy, the lamb who was slain. He's overcome. And and everything starts to change. And the whole scene, everyone in there starts praising. And they sang a new song to the Lamb who's overcome. They sang this, You are worthy to open the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You're worthy, Lamb of God. There's no one else who could have ransomed nations by their blood. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy. Worship team, let's do this. He's worthy of our praise. We worship him because he's worthy. No matter what you feel, he's always worthy. Whether it's payday or you haven't been paid in months, he's worthy. It doesn't matter your circumstances. He ransomed nations by his blood. He's the only one that could have done it, and he did it for you because he loves you. That's why he's worthy. We love him because he loved us first. We're inspired to praise because we're undone by his love. He's worthy. So we're going to worship him. Why don't we stand up and beat the band to it? Start praising his name with me. Jesus, you're worthy. He said, we don't need a band to praise your name. Oh, yeah. You've always been worthy. Hallelujah, the lamb that was slain is overcome by his blood. You're always worthy. We've made worship real complicated, but all we got to do is praise you. All we got to do is praise you. Maybe you can dance a little bit. Maybe you can jump and shout a little bit because he's worthy. He's worthy of praise. Hey, I, 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 I. Jesus, you're worthy.